Welcome to Tea Time with Chris, a podcast that celebrates faith, humor, and the power of storytelling. I'm Chris Tomlinson, your host, and I'm thrilled to invite you to join me for engaging conversations with people from all walks of life. Together, we'll sip some tea or whatever you prefer and explore life's joys and challenges with a focus on hope, inspiration, and positivity. I'll also share some of my personal stories and some poetry to add a touch of intimacy and creativity to our chats. So join me as we spread love, joy, and laughter with each episode. Welcome to Tea Time with Chris. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode three of Tea Time with Chris. Um, Like always, I am your host, Chris Tomlinson. And today's episode is, I'm going to talk about my story. Um, for those who are new to my podcast and don't know me, I figured I'd take this episode as another episode to explain more about who it is they're listening to. I know a lot of my viewers have seen my videos on YouTube and know me as such, but again, there's people that just listen to the podcast and don't know me. So I'm going to talk about um, my early life, like what happened with the accident and what I was like as, as a kid what happened later on through, you know, the healing process, the recovery and everything that happened from there on growing up and into my adult life into now. Um, I won't go into like a huge details about it. I want to keep this podcast to around 30 minutes and not go too long unless I'm interviewing somebody on um, my previous episode. Episode two is pretty long and I apologize for that, but on um, this one, I'm going to hopefully keep to 30 minutes or so so with that being said let's jump into it got that tea you guys got your tea ready i got mine um i usually only have like black tea or earl gray or is my favorite so today i have some earl gray if you are one of my followers who likes to look at my newsletters and such um, you would see the section that says flavor tea of the month yeah so this week's flavor tea of the month um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually pronounce it right, so bear with me, because it is, it, it's in, I, I believe it's Chinese, but it's not Chinese, but I mean, I obviously, me, what I'm about to read is English, but the tea itself, hopefully I can say this right, Lap, Lapsang Suyong, Sushong, Lapsang Sushong. I've never had this type of tea. Um, I don't think I would like it either because, uh, I mean, it is a black tea, which I do like black teas, but it has a unique smoky flavor and I'm not really a fan of smoky flavored things. So unless it's meat, like smoky flavored barbecue ribs, that's what I'm talking about. But other than that, I don't like my drinks to, t- to taste like it's barbecued, but maybe that's not what it tastes like. I don't know. Maybe I would have to try. I am the type of person that I will try things at least once. 
and it does say that it's got a bold, robust taste with a smoky, piney aroma and a hint of sweetness. It contains antioxidants and a moderate amount of caffeine, of caffeine, <laughs> caffeine, caffeine, which may provide health benefits such as supporting health, heart health, improving mental alertness, and reducing the risk of certain chronic diseases. That's lap, lapsang, or lapsang, suyang, or suchang. I, can I apologize if I am pronouncing that wrong? I'm doing the best I can with it. So, anywho, that is in the newsletter that is released the same day as each episode podcast, Mondays. Um, so there is some new up, exciting thing coming up that I put in the newsletter you guys can check out. Um, I won't go over them in the podcast just for the sake of time and keeping this at 30 minutes and just diving into what we want. Um, so like I said, I'm going to talk about my story and... Sometimes I, I don't like talking about it because I feel like I'm repeating myself and I'm like a broken record and I don't want people to be listening to me and be like, oh, we heard this already. Yeah, get, get it over with. Come on. And just get annoyed at hearing my story over and over again. And maybe that's just me. Um, I talked to some people about that and they were like, your story's good and there's no way people will get annoyed with it. And they're like, the reason why you get annoyed with it is because you say it. You have to talk about it a lot and because it's your life. So every time I think about it, I'm so used to it. So to me, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but anywho, so I was born in Brandon, Florida, and I was a very curious kid. Very curious. I loved getting the things. Um, now, before I really dive into my story, I just want to let you guys know that I don't remember a lot of my past. From what I can barely remember, and it's very foggy and it's very, how do I, I like, like spotty. Like, I don't remember, like I get certain scenes, I guess you could say in my head and I don't remember them really. Like, like I don't like, like when they pop in my head, I'm not like, oh yeah. It's more like I pause for a second, like, well, wait a minute, let me play this out so I can actually remember this. And then like, I'll ask like my mom or somebody and they're like, yeah. When you were a kid, blah, 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 and then go on about it. And, um, it's just weird because I can't remember the whole scene either. It's just bits and pieces of those times that happened. So a lot of what I'm going to say was told to me and from either my parents or friends or other family members or doctors and stuff like that. So I'm going to do the best I can to remember what I can remember and explain what people have told me so again i was a curious kid and i was outside and i was on like a toddler swing type thing i was around 22 months old which is almost two years old a year and two months shy from being two so i was outside on the swing and i was swinging on it and my mom was watching me and she turned around for a split second and literally like if you're a parent you know that seconds, like milliseconds, microseconds can seem like hours for kids because they can do and get into things so fast and way before you notice. And it's just like, whoa, 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 wait, what just happened? So, so when she turned around, I was out of her view and she was looking for me. She had gone to like this garden section that she has that I used to go into and play around in. So she figured that's where I went to. So she went to go over there and I wasn't there. 
and she, all of a sudden she heard like a pop, like an explosion pop noise. So what was going on while she was trying to find me, which literally took seconds. I had gotten out of her view into a utility room. And if you don't know what a utility room is, it's basically like a, a room that's added onto their house or some people may even have like a shed in their backyard that they call a utility room. But here in Florida, the one we had is like attached to the house. And it's where you keep like, you know, like you, you can keep a storage room pretty much. And you can keep like your outside stuff in there, like, you know, your gardening tool, maybe lawnmower, whatever. Um, the hot water heaters in there and there's piping and all that stuff that's all in there. So I had gotten in there and I had pulled down an empty gasoline can for like a lawnmower. And even though it was empty, there there was still fumes and stuff in there. And knocking it down, opened it up, and the fumes came out. And I was close enough to the hot water heater that when it came on, the pilot light has a little flame that ignites. And then when that ignited, it caused the fumes in the room to ignite and burst into flames. And it covered my entire body. So when my mom heard that pop, that was what she heard was those fumes and everything igniting. And she got to me right away, and unfortunately, I was totally engulfed in flames, and she kept pulling me out, and all she could get was skin, because it, it was so hot, so the flames were just bad on me. So she every time she pulled, she was just pulling skin, until finally she was able to grip hard enough. She pulled me out and got the fire out, and I don't know what all happened at this point. I wasn't told exactly, but from what I'm assuming, I guess, what what I would have done I'd be yelling and panicking and like oh my gosh and from what I know from what I've been told is our neighbors called um 911 or whatever and um they came obviously as fast as they could to me and to get me and I was med flighted on a helicopter in a college parking lot across the street from where we lived and they med flighted me to I believe it was Tampa General Hospital now at this time this was in June of 1986 is the 80s technology medicine is not like was not like it is today but um they did what they could and but they told my family there was no way i was going to survive they literally gave me a one percent chance to survive from the amount of burns that they had in my body i had over 97 percent of my body covered in third degree burns some areas were worse down to the bone um, and i was the youngest in 1986 to have undergone or have experienced such a traumatic event. So my family been given, you know, the odds of me surviving, absolutely no way, impossible. They prayed about it. They got it in the waiting room. They prayed. And there's one thing I'm really glad about my family is faith is a big thing um, and always has been a big thing. And God was has always been number one in my family. And they had such strong faith and put everything into God's hands and you just prayed, you know, God, if it's your will, you'll survive. I don't know what they exactly prayed. I wasn't there and no one's told me, but I'm just going off of what I'm assuming they, they could have said. So the next day comes and miraculously, I'm still alive. So during this time, I'm unconscious though, but I'm alive. So what they had to do was they had to slice open my arms and my legs. And I don't know other parts of my body that they had to slice open because my body was so swollen that I was going to burst. They had to do skin grafts on my body to find certain, they had to find areas of my body that were not burned and this was so hard 
for them to do because most of my body was burned. So they were managed to find some skin from the top of my head or my thighs, my butt, <laughs> uh, my stomach, my, my lower abdomen type stomach. And they were able to put, to take um, cells from those skins. And then they regrow new skin from those cells, which are you. And they put it onto your body that needs it. Okay, so I don't know all of what I went through. I don't remember it. And no one really told me. What I do know is I was put into what they call a bubble. And a bubble is basically like, it looks like clear plastic, but it's not, pla I don't know what it's made of. I'm sure there's people out there who know, but I don't know. And it literally surrounds my bed and it keeps all germs and everything out. And anybody that goes into the room had to wear all protection. My family couldn't go in, nothing. Uh, and from what I've been told, I was in the hospital for eight months, unconscious and healing from all of these burns. Miraculously, I was able to go home. At two years old, with my entire body changed instantly. I no longer had two hands. I no longer had a full head of hair. I didn't have all my toes anymore. And I didn't know how to walk anymore. I now had to learn everything all over again child that had just learned how to walk, how to hold things and explore the world around him would now have to redo everything again. I don't know. I, I can't say I don't know what that's like because obviously I did it. I went through it, but I don't remember any of that. I don't. And my mom and dad used to tell me that when it was first, when it first happened, you know, my mom wanted to help me with everything. She wanted to get everything for me and to make sure that, you know, that she was able to provide everything for me. And my dad told her, you can't do that because he has to learn how to adapt to what he has. Or he will never know how to do it. And I thank my dad to this day for him doing that because I'm, I know my mom meant good. I know my mom was just being mom, you know. I'm glad my dad could be like, hey, we need to let him learn so he can adapt. So through all these years... From that age until I was 19, I had surgeries. And these surgeries would be from like the skin grafts. They'd also be plastic surgery where they'd have to reconstruct parts of my, like whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. They'd have to reconstruct things and make things work. Um, I do remember when they were working on my left hand. Now my left hand has some fingers on it. So I'm able to, you know, pick up things, hold things, write, type, you know, do all the stuff. But I do remember, I don't remember the age though. I do remember though, that my left hand, I couldn't move, you know, like rotate it around the wrists, up and down, you know, move your whole wrist and whole hands around. I couldn't do that. It was fused up. And my fingers were very limited on how they could move. And they were very, very, very small. So I do remember a surgery that they did and what they had to do through a lot of these surgeries they had to do with me is they would have to break my bones and then put them into place of where they should be and reconstruct everything back. I do remember that surgery, like I said, and I remember um, pins being in each of my fingers. Now what I have on my left hand is a thumb, my index finger, the middle finger, and then the 
two other fingers, like the pinky and what do you guys, what do you call that other finger? I, I don't know what the other finger is, but yeah, that, 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 that figure there. <laughs> oh, those two are conjoined. My pinky finger is very tiny and the mystery finger is pretty much just joined to that. And it's hard for me to describe. You'd have to look at pictures to see. So, anyway, but I do remember the pins in each finger so that each one would heal internally separate so the bones wouldn't fuse, the veins and everything wouldn't fuse and get all mixed up. And I thought it was weird because it felt weird with my hand being straight. It wasn't stuck upwards, so they had broken the wrist and everything and moved the hand back down and made it so I'd be able to move my hand around and do more. Yeah, I remember when they took the pins out, I remember waiting in the waiting room and it wasn't like a regular, like you don't get admitted to the hospital and they do a surgery and remove pins and everything. But you could do that. I remember sitting in the waiting room and there was an older kid and he was about to get some pins removed and he was telling me that he was gonna be put to sleep and then they were gonna remove the pins because he couldn't handle it. Now I was the opposite of a lot of the kids that went to that to hospitals there to have surgeries. A lot of them wanted to be put to sleep and didn't that didn't bother them that bothered me the anesthesia was such a huge issue for me so bad like even to this day i can't remember it's just traumatic like it's i have ptsd from it because there's certain smells there's certain sounds there's certain tastes certain feels from that i got from anesthesias that i can associate with different things that happen randomly and I'm like oh I can't handle this I gotta you know oof but uh I couldn't handle it because for some reason the anesthesia wouldn't put me right to sleep it would take a while and that during that time I was waiting to fall asleep it just felt it felt so horrible so gross like everything got really loud really loud I could hear every little touch like if, if people were walking I could hear their footsteps like super clear I could hear the hands rustling up against like the surface of something or I could hear them breathing I could hear their tongues click as they moved when they were talking I could hear the metal clinging around clanging around because I'd be because I wasn't asleep yet they'd have to just start wheeling me into the operating room and I would see everything and see like these bright lights and the sounds just echoing as along with the amplified that I'm already hearing. So I got the amplified audio plus the echoes going. Then my whole body starts feeling cold and like just uncomfortable, like really vulnerable almost. And I just, just feel gross and I feel nauseous and I start feeling like as if everything around me is like moving, like as if I'm on a boat. And it just, it's just a horrible feeling. I can't even, just talking about I'm having to close my eyes and just tell myself, chill, you're just, you're just explaining this situation. You're not going through it, Chris. But it was so bad. And to get back to what I was talking before, when I was in the waiting room and the kid was telling me that, I looked at him and was like, yeah, I'm just getting them taken out. And he was amazed because I was so much younger than him. I was, I had to, I, like I said, I don't remember my age, but I had to have been around between five and 10, around somewhere in there. And this was an older teenager that was like 16, 17 years old. So I remember going into one of the rooms, like the examination room, just a regular, like a regular 
like if you went to like a checkup to a doctor's office or whatever and nurse is coming in doctor coming in then i'm wrapping my hands and i'm looking at it and seeing pens sticking out of my flesh and i'm looking at it so amazed just like whoa like it, it's weird but at the same time just looking at it amazed because this is my first time seeing my hands straight and not stuck upwards in my fingers like i my fingers were longer well not the pinky and the mystery finger but the thumb and the index and middle finger were longer than what they were before they got wrapped up and they were now all like those three were separated the thumb index and middle were separated i could move them individually and i was just i remember just looking at my hand just being so happy and excited and just like wow like just amazed so then they asked me, they're like, do we, do we, do you want us to give you anything to like calm down your nerves some or whatever to, as we pull these pens out? And I said, no, just, just, you know, just pull them out. And I remember as they were pulling out and they had to pull them slowly and none of it hurt. It didn't hurt at all, but it felt so weird, but cool at the same time. Because <laughs> I could literally feel every inch as they were pulling it out, but it, it didn't hurt. It it was weird. Some of it actually kind of tickled. And then when they got about, I couldn't, I couldn't fully move my hand yet because everything was like stiff. If you, if you know what it's like when you break bones or do something like, like have a bad injury, when they heal, it gets really stiff. So they wanted me to move them slowly and I, you know, could barely move them. That was painful. That was a little painful moving around. But then over time, you know, healed and wasn't painful and became more loose and I was able to do more with my hands and I had to go through a lot of those surgeries like I said till I was 19. I'm um, at 13 my mom told me she lost count of 200 surgeries and I remember going in when I was around like it was almost 19 I remember going in for they would have checkups on me like yearly and they would have like every, maybe like every few months or certain amount of months they would have a checkup on me to see how you know I'm functioning how my body doing how I'm feeling how everything's going and we're going in and they're like all right we have you scheduled for such and such date for i don't remember what the surgery was but it's something they were going to do and they said but and this was the first time i've ever gone without my mom every visit my mom would go my dad was always working like not like all day working but he, and he he was working you know from the mornings and then he'd be home when i came home from school and stuff like that but he was never available much to go to the checkups I remember some, some he could, but not all of them. But I remember this was my first time going by myself. And I remember them looking at me and saying, but you are 18 now. And it is up to you. Do you want to keep going for surgeries? And they would have to stop at 21, no matter what. Even if I, 21, if I said, oh, I want this done, they couldn't do it anymore. Because that hospital in Massachusetts, which I skipped that part. I will explain that part in a minute. Um, Shrine is burned in Boston, Massachusetts. All the treatment is free. All of it's free. But it's only covered until you're 21. Once you become that type of adult, you would have to go and go to other hospitals and unfortunately it would cost money or if your insurance covered it, it's covered. So I remember sitting there thinking, and I said, no, I'm done. And they said, okay, I don't blame you. Like these are people, doctors and nurses that knew me from when I was a baby. And here I am at, almost 19 years old and they've seen me through all of those over 200 surgeries everything i went through 
and all of them literally looked like they like had like a sigh of relief almost like they were they smiled and they like they looked at me like we do not blame you chris we understand no more surgeries for you and i didn't have any more surgeries since then i mean i've had surgeries of like other things like i've broken my legs and stuff as adult car accidents and stuff but had to have surgeries and it was such a weird different experience to when i was a kid but uh that's what it was like growing up every year from the age of almost two till i was almost 19 i would have about well when i was younger when it first happened there was i can't even tell you how far apart surgeries were because they were so close together because they had so much they had to do um but from what i can remember from when everything was healed and it was just getting to the point where you know now we just have to make sure that he has the ability to use his hands and walk and tur turn his neck and bend his arms and all that stuff and stretch my skin as I grew. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, every year, from what I can remember, it's I can just about remember fifth grade. I don't remember much before fifth grade, but from fifth grade on, I remember having about two to three surgeries a year. I'd miss a lot of school. I'd miss out a lot of childhood things. A lot of my summer times and stuff were in the hospital. But when I look back on them now as an adult, I can say those were hard times. And yeah, maybe it didn't seem fair. But if I didn't have all that done, I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff I could do today. And I can literally do everything that everybody can do. It might look a little different, but I can do what everybody can do. So that's what happened throughout my life to do with my accident um, to the fire. Um, so the most recent stuff, or not really recent, so just to cap in from that to now as a real quick just summary, because we're closing in on 30 minutes. Um, like I said, I had a lot of surgeries. I missed a lot of school. Um, I went to a private school later on in high school, and they didn't have tutoring, which is weird, because you would think a private school would have all these things you need. But we won't get into that. And I had to repeat 11th grade because I missed so much school. I had so much stuff to make up. I couldn't, I couldn't catch up. So eventually I had to drop out because I could not, I just could not get through it. And I went to a college and I took GED courses. I took the courses first. So, you know, they teach you, you know, update you on math, science, language, arts, all that stuff. And then you take the GED. And if you pass it, you get, you know, a diploma. And I passed it. I passed, I think I was like, I can't remember the exact number, but I, I know I was like the top, I was in within the top 10 of one of the, high, of the highest scores of the group that went. I got my GED. And during that time, I had met a girl and we were friends for a little bit. And we started dating. And after a year, I proposed to her. We got married. We had two kids, um, Nevaeh and Trinity. Uh, my whole life, my entire life, from since I was a kid until I stopped going to the hospital, they told me I would never have kids because they figured that the internal trauma, the mental, just the trauma done to my body and experimental medicines they had to use on me would, you know, keep me from having kids. Like, I don't have damage down there. Like, that's not to be TMI. But that's all. Everything works. Everything looks fine. <laughs> Anyways get off of that. Um, sorry about that. And so they just assumed that, you know, I wouldn't have kids and 
God had other, God had other plans and gave me my two beautiful daughters, two beautiful, amazing daughters, my helpers. God knew, God, God knew what was going to happen. And, you know, we went through things in my, and through marriage and life that, you know, ups and downs. There was a time we were homeless and we had to live in a shelter and we got into our own place and it wasn't a good place after that. Like it was a really bad neighborhood, shootings, drugs, death. Like it was just bad. I felt so bad for my kids, but we had nowhere else to go. So after about 14 years of being married, my ex-wife decided to cheat on me with a friend and that destroyed, that destroyed me. And I won't go into all that and I won't bash her either because I don't want to, I don't want to make her look bad. It was, it, what happened in the past happened in the past. We move on. I forgive her and it, it's done over with. Um, I'm not saying what she did was right. And I'm not saying that what she did didn't cause a lot of trauma and destroyed a lot of things within me. My, my trust in people was gone. My self-esteem is totally gone, but those are things that I've been working on. I'm working on within myself. My self-esteem isn't as bad as it was when it all first happened. And I was very negative. Like, oh man, was I negative, guys. Everything in my life, I hated. I was so depressed, so negative. I could not see any positivity whatsoever in my life until one day I just looked at my kids and inside something just clicked. And I felt like God was like, you need to stop. You wanted to be a father. You're a father. You have two little kids who are depending on you for everything. And I have given them to you. I've blessed them to you. Do it. And I did it. I got up and I was like, enough is enough. Time to be a dad. Time to be here for my kids. Time to give them a life they deserve. Yes, I don't have her no more. But you know what? I got God and these two strong, amazing kids. I got family that want to help. I got friends that want to help. And it took a while to let family and friends help because I didn't want nobody's help because I thought I was a failure and I didn't want people's help because I figured, you know, if they're helping me, that means I can't do it. I had to get over a lot of things, guys. I had to get over pride, pain, trauma, and just anger. So many things I had to get through. And I look back today and I'm, I can just smile and shake my head now because, man, <laughs> I'm so much better now. I'm so much better than I was. I was so dark. I was stuck in a hole and depression got a hold of me and God pulled me out and I did not want to admit to God doing it. And I did not want God to do it. I wanted to stay sad. I wanted to just end it all. God had other plans. My two baby girls and new more to my life. You know, yes, big time, my daughters. But God was like, you have something to tell people. You have a story. You need to show people that you still have hope, that you still have joy. You still can laugh about things. You can still bring fun into things and the life. And even though you're going through something, you're still going, you're still going. We have an inner strength that a lot of us don't realize when we're stuck in these dark moments because our minds don't want to see that. It blocks it out. Our mind is so focused on the negativity that it blinds and blocks your mind to know that, hey, you got this inner strength in you that you're so much stronger than you know, so much stronger. And that's something I want people to get from my podcast. I want them to find that inner strength. For me, it's a combination of my inner strength and God. And I want people to know God through me. I want them to know who he is and that he still performs miracles. 
But again, I'm not here to force this down anybody's throat either. So if it's something that you just have to sit down, I had to do this too. Sit down and look at the things that are going on in your life that are good, not bad, good. Because I, I know, I know, I know it sounds corny. And I know at the same time, if you're going through something bad right now, you're probably like, dude, I've heard this before. Just shut up. Like, no, it's, it's not true. Everything going on right now is bad. And I get that. I totally get that. But I was the exact same way. But here we go. I'm going to tell you something. If you sit down and just think for a minute. Number one. This is number one for me. When I woke up in the morning. I woke up. You woke up. You know how many people are out there in the world right now? This is their last second. Their last breath they just breathe. They will never be able to see a sunrise again. They will never be able to hear birds sing. They will never know what it's like to live on from that time that they let out their last breath. That was something I had to tell myself and remind myself that yes, what I'm going, what I was going through, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to admit to yourself that what you're going through is horrible. It's horrible. It's not fair. But at the same time, take a minute, take a minute, breathe, take a deep breath, close your eyes and think. Right now, there's people going through cancer who can barely even stay awake and in so much pain. There's people right now who are standing before their loved one's casket. There's people right now who are sitting in a waiting room and a doctor has come in and told them horrible news. There's stuff going on with everybody all the time. And we have to remind ourselves that yes, what we're going through is horrible, but things can always be worse, always be worse. And I know that might not sound like good advice because you're like, Chris, you just were going to tell us to get positivity in life. And you just told us something really depressing to think about. And I get that. I know. But that's something that I had to do with myself is to tell myself, yes, it's horrible, but it can be so much worse. So let's get through this. Number two, my kids. My kids were there. I could just, just hearing them talk, just hearing them laugh, just hearing their footsteps, just hearing them breathe, just seeing them reminded me that there's another purpose in my life and another reason I'm alive. And for me not to just think about myself and dwell on myself. Those two girls had no mother no more. They were hurting too. They needed me. They needed their dad to be there for them and show them that the world has not fallen apart and that everything was going to be okay. And that took me a while to do. That took me a while to do. Thankfully, I did it though. And then number three thing for me was just for me. This is me. For you guys, if you don't, if you don't have the same interest as me, that's fine. But if it's find something that you really enjoy, whether it's music, nature, whatever, good for you though and for me it was sitting outside and just looking at the way nature worked and knowing that what i was going through may seem out of control may seem like chaos but the world maybe not maybe not humans but everything else was stable was going as it should and for me for me that was comforting because it showed that 
someone was in control. Someone was still right there. And that was God for me. God, I looked out over nature and watched the birds fly and play and watched animals in the fields and just the trees and the plants. And it just made me think that all these things God created, he's going to take care of me too. And everything is going to be okay. And yes, what I'm going through is horrible, but I will get through it. And thankfully, I did. I relied on God so much. And my kids too. My kids have had to grown up so fast. I feel so bad for them, but I have given them a life and still giving them a life as good as I can. I try so hard to just give them a good life. And so far, our house is filled with laughter and fun and joy all the time. And they tell me all the time that I'm such a good, fun dad. And I'm always there for them. And they know that they're loved. And that brings me so much joy to know that they feel that way. And yeah, they're kids. They're going to act up. They're gonna, there's gonna be days, times that I'm gonna get upset or annoyed because they're kids. And you know, it's just me and them. It's just us that we're getting through life together. And God, knowing that God is right there above it all and he's in control of it all, it's so comforting to me. And I like that when I'm going through something, I can pray to God and know that he's got my back. And I can look back on my life and look at the things I went through and tell myself, Chris, you've gone through worse. You can do this. Or even if it's something. For me, when my ex-wife cheated and left, for me, that was worse than the fire. And maybe that's because I don't remember the fire. But even when I say the fire, I even think of all the surgeries, all the pain, all the times the bandages were ripped off of me and my flesh was ripped and just everything, just all the pain, all of that is all combined into the fire for me. I'd rather feel that pain than the pain I felt when she left. But even though that was, to me, worse than what I've gone through, I could look back in my life and say, Chris, God has got your back. Don't worry, dude. We got this. With him, we got this. And, man, I can't even... We'd be talking forever if I was to tell you everything that God has had my back for and... I kick myself sometimes and feel so bad sometimes. Sometimes I'll slip up and just be like, dude, why why do you have my back still? Like, why? Aren't you annoyed by now? Like, haven't you had enough of me yet, dude? Like, and every time, every time, God's just like, nah, I got you, bud. I got your back. He always does. So, there's more I could explain about my life. Like, a lot more details that I skipped over just to keep this relatively in the time frame I want it's over the time frame I wanted but if you add if you subtract the music like you know the mid break and the intro and the outro I'm hoping it's roughly around the time I wanted so hopefully this helps you guys understand more about my story of what I've gone through um if you want to see a little bit more what I was like as a kid and what I had to go through the surgeries and stuff um, on my YouTube channel, and if you don't know my YouTube channel, you could just go to YouTube and type this in. It's literally the first video that pops up. Um, type in the boy behind the scars. Again, that's the boy behind the scars. And that was a documentary that was made on me, made on me when I was about five years old. And you can see how I was as a kid and see the things I had to go through and just understand better if you want to watch it. It's about... It's about like 35, 40 minutes long, I think. Probably shorter than this podcast. But 
But yeah, if you're interested, I also have on um special books by special kids, SBSK. That's another YouTube channel. I'll give a shout out to Chris of SBSK. Thank you, Chris, for all your support, all your help, everybody who's part of Special Books by Special Kids, all the contributors, all the supporters, the watchers, the viewers, whatever you want to call them, the audience, just the community that SBSK has built is such a beautiful community. And the outreach that Chris is doing from that is, it's, all I gotta say is bless, bless, just bless Chris and bless, God bless that SBSK because they have done so much for me and my kids and he did an interview with me and it's kind of like an updated version of my documentary. Like you see me as a kid going through all this stuff in that documentary. And then if you look up this interview on special books by special kids, it's me as adult with my kids and they entered, they actually um, interviewed my kids and my mom too. So you can see me from when I was a kid to then. And now I got the podcast. And it's because of them, it's because of them, the supporters of SBSK and of the viewers and the audience of, of that interview who had told me how I should get into doing podcasts and how my voice sounds. Because of you guys that I'm doing this, the encouragement from all that helped because I was so scared to do this because I don't, I don't like the way my voice sounds. So I always just assumed that my voice was just weird and that nobody would want to hear anything I say. So thank you to Chris and Special Book for Special Kids, SBSK. Look that up, please. Go help. Go support them. Subscribe to them. Follow them. Um, you can also go to my YouTube channel, like I said. Um, it's Chris Tomlinson Live or just Chris Tomlinson. Hopefully you can find it. Um, if you're listening to the podcast through my YouTube, obviously, you're already on my channel. Um, I do have a link to it on my website, www.ttimewchris.com. In the upper right corner, you'll see the YouTube logo. If you click that, it'll take you to my YouTube channel. And just subscribe to that, and you can watch some videos there. Um, so with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode three of this Tea Time with Chris podcast. Again, Thank you guys for listening. Please, please, if you guys could do me a favor and make sure you um, listen to these podcasts on like Apple or Spotify or something like that and subscribe and rate them. The more rates and reviews I get and the more subscriptions I get on those, the more they will um, like, you know, give this as a suggestion to other people to listen to. It'll bump my ep my podcast up for people to check out and get my podcast out there more if you guys could help with reviewing them and rating them and subscribing to them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon Music. Uh, I'm literally on every streaming thing you can think of. I'm on there. Pandora, Blacker, iHeartRadio, my podcast is on there and it's automatically updated with a new episode every time I release one. Please, you guys can do that for me. That'd be awesome if you guys did. So again, thank you for listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Tea Time with Chris. God bless. You have just listened to Tea Time with Chris. A podcast filled with hope, faith, joy, love, 
and occasional laughter. We hope you enjoyed it and continue to stay up to date with us at teatimewchris.com. God bless. Thank mm-hmm. you.